Welcome back to the Hiker Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Hamilton. When Marion Wright Edelman said, You can't be what you can't see, she must have known how far these words would travel. These words have been used by so many to highlight the lack of representation of their people in the public eye. Today, despite the access to social media platforms and the ability to go viral on TikTok overnight, there is still a major gap in representation on the main stages of society. Sport has long been one of these stages to spark conversation, and one person that is stepping out on that stage to be a voice for the trans community is Cal Dobbs. Cal is a transmasculine triple crowner and is the first known trans person to complete the coveted hiking trinity. That includes the PCT, CDT and the AT, and they're not done yet, still continuing to hike the Great Western Loop. This year has been the worst year for anti-transgender legislation in America. And while many listening to this podcast may not be from the United States, their politics and culture has such an influence on our society. Cal and I get right into it with this one, and I really felt like this was one of those uncomfortable conversations that we have to have in order to grow and to progress. While I support the rights of transgender people, I, as a cis, white, straight male, don't understand what it means to be transgender. But as you'll hear from this conversation, it's not about knowing the ins and outs of being transgender, it's about the respect we hold for our fellow humans, whatever they choose to be and whoever they choose to identify as. But just before we jump into the conversation with Cal, we gotta pay the bills. So here is a word from our sponsors. So this episode and all episodes of the Hiker Podcast are brought to you by Hiker. Well, what is Hiker? Hiker is your complete digital hiking tool. And we are on a mission to get more people out hiking than ever. Choose from our library of over 17,000 verified hiking trails and take advantage of the points of interest data that we have available to help you plan your journey. You can also calculate measurements for sections of the trail you wish to hike and zoom in on the elevation and distances for these sections. You can also plot your own route and track your hikes by using the best digital maps available, including Harvey Maps, USGS, Ordnance Survey, IGN France, Land Information New Zealand, and the list goes on. Hiker is absolutely free to download, so head over to the App Store or Play Store now to start your adventure. Okay, let's get into it. Here's my interview with Cal Dobbs. So, you've got a couple of dogs in the car at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Um, Truman, who, you know, people have been following me, is my thru-hiking buddy. He's done two out of three of the um, Triple Crown trails. And then my other dog, Cooper, who was, you know, I she was supposed to be a good hiker, but turns out she's just a princess who doesn't have to dirty. <laughs> Can't so you, dogs to have a certain personality. <laughs> so your dog did the entire length of the both two of the trails. Sorry, which which two trails did, did they do? So Truman, I actually rescued him on the CDT um, last year, the Continental Divide, and kind of nursed him back to health because he was in pretty bad shape. And then. Um, it was sink or swim for him where I was like, I can't keep you if you can't hike with me. And he really pulled, pulled through and showed, just showed his ability to be such a great hiker. And, um, it was really clear after that, that we were really strongly bonded and, you know, we don't go anywhere without each other. And so he did the PCT with me this year. Um, and, and dogs are allowed on almost every section of the trail, except the national parks for the most part. And so when you went through those national, because that was going to be my, my question is like, what did you have to do? Did you have to, did, were you able to go in the national park at all? Did you have yes. permission? Yeah. Well, so I am fortunate enough that those two trails were close enough to friends and family that they could just watch them. And then my hiking partner and I would just gun it through the national park. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, that does that is an example that I think a lot of through hikers can relate to, um, which is just that a through hike isn't possible without some form of support from other people in your life. And that is such a gift and such a privilege. And I feel really lucky that I have a support system that enables me to do stuff like this. You know, 
Um, anyone who knows anything about the CDT knows that it's really remote. And some of the towns that you hike through, there's no grocery store, so you have to send um, a resupply, like mail a resupply package. And so I was really lucky that I had a friend who was willing to do that for me. So it's just stuff like that. Yeah, it really takes uh, takes a village. I don't know if you've heard that before, but like it, it takes a village for a, a lot of these things to happen. And the village com- can be people, it can be a number of people, or it could be a you know a small community. And one of the big things about through hiking, especially in the United States, is the the idea of building that community as you go on the trail as well. Mm. Um, like what was some of the kind of the the personalities that you met on 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 these trails like yeah i mean i think that a lot of through hikers especially through hikers that continue to return to those spaces um we all share the opinion that it's the people that make it special and I define the trail community or the through hiking community as anyone who's actively participating in that culture. So that doesn't just include through hikers, because like you said, it does take a village and that includes the people in the towns, that includes trail angels, even incidental trail angels who aren't, you know, like the ones with their numbers on a on a spreadsheet, but the ones who just cross your path and ask you why you're so dirty and smelly and then you tell them and they're like whoa that's really cool I've never heard of that can I like get you a breakfast or something or um you know those are the people that are part of the trail community and I think that speaks to like this greater culture of generosity in America that a lot of people are disconnected to um and certainly you know, I'm hyper aware of that as a trans person on these trails, because there is apprehension. I mean, it's a very politically polarized country. There's, you know, trans issues are very divisive issues in America. So we see all of these political issues reflected in personal interactions. So you can understand how for, you know, queer hikers or trans hikers or hikers of color, it could be kind of, um, you'd be apprehensive about being in these spaces where you need people's help, but don't actually have control over how they respond to you. And I have found that it's been overwhelmingly positive. So the hiking community, the surrounding communities, like in the places you go to in the towns and so forth have been overwhelmingly um, welcoming and that's not to say that they're progressive in terms of their beliefs about trans people but that people see what you're doing and by virtue of having this shared activity that is like so hard and just strips you down to the you know like your essence through that you have no choice but to have mutual respect for these people and through that human connection you can connect over your shared humanity so it's sort of like it's not that it doesn't matter what your beliefs are, but it's that we respect each other on a human level because we're all doing this really hard thing and we have that shared understanding. And I find that sort of like a window into learning about each other and learning to connect and love each other and build this sort of inclusive outdoor community that I know we all want to see. I mean, nobody, day hikers, through hikers, weekend warriors, nobody thinks that the outdoor community should be exclusionary of anyone, you know? Um, I think the only thing that sort of like holds us back is fear, but I think these spaces generally invite brave people, you know, cause it's really hard physically yeah. and emotionally to do this kind of stuff. And, and it, the, the outdoors is no better kind of stage for this to happen exactly. as well, for these conversations to happen because there's no barriers really in the outdoors. Like there, there are like that. Sorry, that's call a spade a spade. There are barriers in the outdoors. There's barriers to people getting into the outdoors. And we, we cover that quite a lot in some of the conversations. And you document a lot of that as well in the conversations that you have. Um, but when you actually get down to having a conversation with somebody, even the most anti whatever uh, part of, the, of life that you come from, they're still going to have a conversation with you mm-hmm. um, the majority of times. And I've, I found that myself personally and through talking to other people about, you know, their experience in the outdoors, 
when they actually are out in the outdoors and they're 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 meeting new people the majority of time there is a conversation to be had because you're you're not uh basically the you have nowhere to go you can't you can't just you can you like you can just run away but you're just going to be running further into the outdoors and further away from from an issue whereas if when you're out and you're hiking and you're both experiencing the same thing you're both going up that hill you're both in that storm you're both you know trying to get to the next town to get your resupply yeah you're you're on the same level so you're you're those conversations are just much easier to have i think and i think i totally agree with you that like what better stage than these natural environmental spaces i think what you said is absolutely true that the outdoors can be kind of the great equalizer where you're, you know, because nature doesn't discriminate, right? So it's like, if there, if you're up in the mountains and there's a thunderstorm and you're on a ridgeline, doesn't that, like nature doesn't give a shit what car you drive, what house you live in, like you and everyone around you is equally at risk (laughs) of being, you know, hurt in that situation. If you're doing a river crossing, you know, it doesn't matter um you know the river doesn't care if you know what color your skin is like you have to be careful and you have to help each other across that river equally and so I think that what I love um there is a lot of intersection between you know being an individual in a marginalized community and participating in the outdoors because it's not um I think the goal is to close the gap between the way that nature responds to us and our humanity and the way that people respond to us and our humanity because we are nature and there is kind of a gap between those things where it's like nature has so much to teach us our natural environment and the natural world has so much ancient wisdom that we can learn from but then we as people struggle with our connection and like our place in nature and we create these sort of arbitrary divisions between us and it's like the more time we spend outside, the more connected each individual person gets to their own, um, you know, the fact that we are nature and then we can sort of close that gap between the knowledge that nature has, which is that nature doesn't discriminate nature, you know, is equally, you know, it like treats us all equally and the way that we treat each other. I, I think we have a lot to learn from these natural spaces in terms of like, I mean, I love through hiking because it's a space where I can be fully and unapologetically myself. I can like run around in the woods and like, you know, like a kid with not a care in the world. Um, it shows me a lot about my character, you know, cause it pushes me, um, these through hikes, you know, they're like very physically, but also emotionally and mentally challenging. And that pushes me to new, um, levels of understanding about myself and I just think the more experiences you have like that the harder it gets to justify not connecting with other people's humanity because they're just Mm -hmm. part of nature too you know what I mean yeah um have you heard of the overview effect Mm -mm. no so the (laughs) <laughs> it, so it, the overview effect is is a is a term that's used uh by astronauts actually um in, or 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 scientists that 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 you know observes uh, astronauts and their psychology and and their uh their outlook and what they found was that over a period of time of spending an extended period of time um in a space shuttle or in a this in a sat or in the ISS in the International Space Station, spending exp- extended period of time up there, seeing the world for what it is, seeing you know the insignificance and the significance of everything uh, orchestrated below them, that they they have this like almost um, I can't think of the, the the right word, but there's this transition. Their, yeah, their perspective is just completely shifted, gone from a very kind of uh, ground level to a very an overview effect of okay, now I actually see the world for as it is, mm-hmm. and I I believe that what you are speaking about there is is kind of like a 
uh, oh, well, I don't want to say, say it's a mini version of it, but it's another version of that. That the longer you spend outdoors, the longer you spend with nature, you start to see the world for as it as it really should be, which is that is controlled by nature. The earth is a is a living organism, and we are all, you know, organisms within this like larger uh, this larger ecosystem. If I can interject really quickly, I think yeah. that's something that I think is really important in the way that we like approach diversity and inclusion in the outdoors. Because I think that we're all, you know, people who want to see equity in the outdoors. We get kind of impatient and it feels like, you know, um, why can't we, you know, it's sort of like, why can't we all get along? Or like, like you said, like nature doesn't discriminate. So, you know, it shouldn't matter who you are, but I think actually in terms of like the lessons that nature has to teach us, it's less that we're all one, we're all part of this, you know, big blue sphere rotating around the sun. And it's more about what you said, which is that the lesson that nature has to teach us about that is that biodiversity makes us stronger we're not the same. We are different. We are unique. We are special. And we don't necessarily understand each other. And I don't think that understanding is a prerequisite for respecting, admiring, celebrating, loving people. You know what I mean? Because that's the question I get, like as a trans person in the outdoors, people are like, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I just don't understand. And I said, that's okay. You don't have to understand. I understand that we're different. I don't understand, you know, what's in your heart or your mind. And I don't have to understand to be able to respect your humanity, to be able to celebrate your place in the outdoors and my place to, to celebrate our achievements, because I think that's what nature does. And that's why, like, you know, you can watch the, like, you know, David, At that's why everyone loves like planet earth and like the David Attenborough documentaries. Cause you watch these things and you're like, Whoa, that's so cool. I've never seen something like that before. And you see, you know, these beautiful images of these flowers or these bugs and you don't say, Oh, I don't care because those are just like the ones I've seen before because they're not right. They're totally new and different and beautiful. And that's what makes them special. And so I, I've found that a lot is that there's like a lot of rhetoric in the outdoor community of like, we're all one, we're all the same. It's like one love, like it doesn't matter if we're different. And I think it does matter that we're different because I think that's actually really special and beautiful. And like you said, the more time you spend in the outdoors, the more you start to see things not for being the same, but for how they're different and how that's actually what makes it beautiful and strong and gorgeous. You know, it's like, I think of it like in terms of like, what would your nutritionist say, right? Like if you are eating one type of food, you'll be nutritionally deficient no matter what the food is. You are healthy and strong by eating a range of different things. So it's, it's the diversity that makes us strong and beautiful. And so... I know it's an oversimplification, but I just no, no, it's 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 a perfect description because yeah, biodiversity is obviously it's a it's a word that everybody associates primarily just with plants, it, right. it, it, with 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 things. But biodiversity means everything because we are all living on in this. We're living in this uh, this this ecosystem, and we all have to thrive. And we all want to thrive. We want humans to thrive, but. To, for us to thrive, we need to uh, work together. We need to be able to uh, collaborate. We need to be able to love. We need to be able to share. And like it, we're not doing that um, when we're shutting down these doors or putting up these barriers and we're saying, no, you're different. So therefore, we're not going to mingle. Right. Um, if, if, if that was to happen in the, in the natural world and we start putting up barriers between, you know, different bugs different plants you know there'll be a break breakdown in the ecosystem and you can yeah. you can see that in different parts of the world uh with humans when we we're, when we're putting those barriers up there is a breakdown in the ecosystem of humanity mm -hmm. because we're 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 doing those things exactly. um so we dove right into it uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh we didn't get like a chance to actually like introduce <laughs> who you are but like okay. uh, we, can, we, we can we can edit we can flip things around yeah, right. Just switch it <laughs> um so oh. you uh are the first known transgender triple crowner 
Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I'm sure listeners of the show know who you are. They probably know what the Triple Crown is, but let's let's bring them all together. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Well, my name is Cal. Um, my pronouns are they, he. Um, I, I identify as non-binary and trans-masculine. And uh, I am the first known trans person to complete the Triple Crown, which listeners probably know includes like the three premier national scenic trails, the Appalachian Trail, Continental Divide Trail, and um, the Pacific Crest Trail, which I believe all told is like not quite 8,000 miles. It's like a, it's like a little less than 8,000. Um, and so it's an incredible physical accomplishment, um, but why I think it's significant um, to to be public and say like, you know, I'm the first known like transgender person to do this um, is because that is sort of like a platform like we're talking about where it's like, when you look at um, equity and inclusion in the outdoors, like when you look at how do you build a platform to talk about this stuff, it's sort of like the thing that unites us is hiking right? Like the thing that unites us is the activity. That's what brings us into these spaces. That's what, um, you know, brings us into dialogue with people that you just wouldn't meet any other way, but it's because you have this shared passion and that's such a beautiful door into conversations, um, to get to know each other. I mean, that's really what it is. And, you know, we know that last year and this year are, um, the worst years on record for anti-trans legislation in the United States. And we know that the majority of this anti-trans legislation that has been, you know, brought to state legislatures in almost all 50 states surrounds um, transgender access to healthcare and like gender affirming healthcare and the issue, well, it's not really an issue, but the question of trans people in sports. So as a trans athlete and as, you know, and I am an athlete outside of hiking too, I was a collegiate runner and I've been an ultra marathoner after that as well. So I'm very much like imbued in these athletic spaces, which are kind of, kind of have become the platform to talk about trans rights, um, which I, I think is like kind of reductionist because it's sort of like you're, you know, you're reducing trans people to their bodies and medical transition and being trans is so much more than that. It's so, it's just, you know, I can talk more about that, but, um, but I am uniquely positioned as someone who's not only a transgender athlete, but is like a very good athlete. And that's the thing that makes people listen to what I have to say. And so I feel like um, it is important to say like, yeah, I did the triple crown and guess what? I'm the first trans person to do that. And that is important and that is significant because it is challenging for people who have historically been marginalized in these athletic and physical and outdoor spaces to be able to achieve at such a high level. Um, I think a lot of people see that and they're like, wow, I have that initial respect for you as a hiker. And also it sounds like maybe your experience hiking these trails was different than mine. And that makes me wonder, you know, what can I, what can we talk about? What can we connect over? How can we learn from each other? And I think if more people engaged in that kind of dialogue, not only the outdoor community, but just the world would be a better place. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And like it, it, it just to go, go on to your point about like using sport as a, as a vehicle to kind of get this message out there. And it's, it is a tried and tested route for, for, for this, like look up like any kind of big movements throughout, throughout history. Um, uh, sport has always been a vehicle for that. We look at like, uh, racism. We look at, uh, women, in sport we we look at women's rights we look at like so many different aspects of society sport has always been a a huge vehicle for that and you're you're right like it shouldn't be measured on like someone's uh bodily ability um but it has there has to be a stage there and sport is the biggest stage in the world sport and politics are the two biggest stages in the world at the moment um and we're starting to see transgender uh, a, a, a trans people coming into politics now as well, especially in the United States. Um, so it like, yeah, just to speak to that, that, that it, it is a massive, massive stage that you're, 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 you're using. And particularly nowadays with hiking growing in such, uh, in popularity, 
massively. Mm. It is becoming, you know, as big a stage as as ultra running, as uh, running, as any other outdoor activity. Um, and people are more familiar with what the CDT is, what the PCT is, what the Appalachian Trail. I also noticed that you said the Appalachian Trail. Are you the southeast? Well, I lived in West Virginia for a little bit, and people are so very odd. particular about, you know, pronouncing it as Appalachia, which is, you know, the people who live there. <laughs> so yeah. that's how, that's what I say, but I think it's people it's valid anyway you say it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I was I was schooled on that from somebody from West Virginia as well, uh, not too long ago. Yeah. So I, I had to get it right. But um, yeah, so it, it, we we spoke earlier about like your experience on trail and mm-hmm. like having those like m- like good conversations where people don't understand, but they respected you and they respected your differences. And um, do you mind me asking, like, when you came back off trail, was it like a lot of people talk about coming off trail and is that that hitting the real world or like hit coming back into reality and it, mm-hmm. it it hitting hard? Was that especially more difficult for you, where you're kind of thrown back into you know maybe situations where you didn't have the respect of people around you? That's a really great great question. Um, yeah, just to give folks an insight into um at least my experience as a trans person I do really value my time on trail in the woods because it does feel like I and I can exist as my you know full truest self absent from the projections that society um puts on all of us honestly um but that can be particularly hurtful to for a trans person um so it's sort of like we all we understand collectively that society has expectations of us um and a lot of those uh can be like gen- gendered expectations based on how people perceive you or what um yeah kind of you know how you look maybe how you sound things like that um and it's just you know it's not people's fault necessarily it's just lack of exposure and that's why i think it's so important to have these conversations because it gets people thinking you know well how how do i interpret someone's gender like if i if i see someone um and they look a certain way to me like does that always equal this you know, these pronouns or this gender or something. And it gets people thinking that maybe gender is more complex and nuanced and beautiful than that. And it's not as reductionist as this person's wearing a skirt, they're a girl, you know what I mean? And so it's like, um, I do feel when I'm in the woods that I am free to just exist as myself without those expectations being projected onto me. And it is very much a you know, a reality check when you return to society, quote unquote, and you're right back where you were having, um, you know, these sort of daily interactions that can feel, you know, um, it's not intentional, but it is sort of uh, hurtful. It makes, it can make a trans person feel dysphoric, um, sort of unsafe to be misgendered or to be misinterpreted or um, misunderstood. And that's why what we were talking about before is so important, which is just communicating and asking and talking about things because I would so much rather have someone ask me an uncomfortable question than just assume something about me, right? Because if you're asking questions, it means that you're open to listening. And that's the greatest gift we can give to anyone. You know, even our friends, our loved ones, our family is just taking an interest, asking questions. That's how we show we care instead of like, you know, I ask if I care about you, I ask you, how are you feeling today? I don't say you're good, right? Like projecting like you're fine. You know, it's just, um, yeah. So, so it is, it has been a bit of, you know, a culture shock to go from this primarily welcoming, curious, communicative um, dialogue that I had with people on trail to a world that you're very quickly reminded does not perceive you the way that you feel inside. And um, there's a discrepancy between those two things. And I think that's sort of the point of all of this is just closing that gap between how we conceive gender and gender identity as a society and how who people really are inside and that um, just takes a willingness to to talk to people and be open-minded and say you know 
I don't really understand and that's okay. You tell me that this is who you are and I believe you and I respect that. I don't have to get it, you know? Um, a common experience with uh, trans people of, of my generation is like coming out to your parents. It's actually National Coming Out Day today. So happy National Coming Out Day to, to anyone who <laughs> come out. Um, you know, so coming out is a very formative experience. And I think for a lot of us with older parents, you were not raised, they weren't raised with that um, opportunity for dialogue. You know, there was a very specific set of expectations, you know, like my mom was expected to give up her career as an artist to be a mom and get a more stable job. You know, my dad wasn't expected to do that, to be a dad. So it's like, we have these very specific gendered expectations. And I think it's so beautiful that a lot of people um, my age are questioning that. And I think it's just important that we're all willing to at least listen and engage and question things. Um, so with coming out to parents, I think it could be really hard for older people to understand. And I just, you know, I tell my parents, it's okay. You don't have to understand, but you do have to accept me because I'm your child and you have to respect that I will, I know who I am better than you will, will ever, you know? Um, so yeah, it's important to continue the discourse off trail too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I suppose going back to like getting into the outdoors, I suppose just your experience of like getting into the outdoors as a human, mm-hmm. but then getting into the outdoors as a trans person, you know, did they go hand in hand? Was the experience like, what, what was that like basically? Yeah, that's such a beautiful question. And, and I love that question because I think, almost everyone who attempts a long distance hike of any persuasion understands the um, intention going into that of like, I'm going to learn something about myself, probably, you know, I think that's a common thing of like, I want to hike, because I want to connect to myself, or I want to, you know, I want to heal from something in my life, or you know, there's a lot of veterans that hike on these trails to heal from some trauma. There's a lot of sober people on trail who are engaging in their recovery or some, some healing process. And it's sort of like, we understand that the outdoors are a space for personal and community growth. Um, And that's something a lot of people can relate to. And I definitely feel that way, um, particularly as a trans person, the, tra- the outdoors were are a huge part of me becoming who I am and who I'm meant to be because it was the first time that I could exist uh, and embody my freedom because I could exist outside of these boxes that, and these labels that society puts us into. Like we were talking about before, you know, nature doesn't discriminate, so why should we? Nature doesn't I, you know, I go into the grocery store, people say, can I help you, ma'am? You know, people are like, I, you know, project that label onto me. I don't climb up a mountain. The, the, the mountain doesn't misgender me. The mountain doesn't misunderstand my gender. The mountain sees me as a small organism existing in this space. Um, and that allowed me to think about sort of to do the the dual process that we all have to do, which is to unlearn and unravel and unpack all of the things we were told we should do or be and replace it with something more authentic and more beautiful. And I think that through hiking is that in general, because through hiking itself is a rebellion against society's expectations. You're not supposed to quit your job at the peak of your career. You're not supposed to sell your house to go live in the woods. You're not supposed to leave your family to pursue your dreams. Those are all like big no-nos. Like those are rules that you're breaking. So my question to the outdoor community is like, if you're already breaking all those rules and you're discovering that it's making you happier than you ever were before, then isn't there a chance that trans people breaking the rules, quote unquote, of gendered expectations 
couldn't that lead to a more beautiful and authentic world as well? Or just happier people? Because that's been my experience. That's so beautifully put. And I think <laughs> I, I, I would hazard a guess that, that like from your, like listen to your experience that the majority of, of people that you meet on trail just have the, at least that respect <laughs> built into it, built into them. Uh, when they're when they're out on trail maybe they are slightly different and they receive things slightly different in the built world mm. because that's what society is doing and society is projecting things on them therefore they're reflecting and they're projecting things on uh, other people uh, uh, you included and we're all guilty ourselves of projecting different things but once you're in the outdoors I know this myself like I, my confidence came from the outdoors like I was like I couldn't even dream of like sitting in front of like someone that's sitting on the other side of the world recording a podcast that's going to go out to hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah. You know, I couldn't dream of doing that about ten years ago. And because my life has gone through the outdoors, that I've I've built up that confidence. But I have to go back to that place to you know breathe that back in to remind myself no this is what it, uh, you can do this is what you can achieve this is how the the world actually works it's not it's not what everything is it, it, the, uh, all these buildings all these people around you telling you what the way that you should be living your life mm-hmm. um uh so you've done you've done the, the 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 triple crown which is already a monumental achievement in itself um you're also set to you're you're in the middle of uh, completing the uh great western loop which yeah. is another seven thousand miles yeah yeah luckily it includes the cdt and the pct so it's not like those extra you know five thousand six hundred miles on top of that um but yeah so if you can imagine um, for those who know your your trail geography, it's sort of like the CDT and the PCT are your north-south running trails, and then they, they run parallel to each other. So if you were to just connect those two trails, connect the northern and the southern termini, you'd get sort of like a loop, and that's the Great Western Loop. Um, and so total, yeah, it's, um, it's about 7,000 miles. Um, I am kind of in the middle of it it's taking me a little longer than I anticipated just because I'm doing it in sections and due to the weather on the PCT this year me and my hiking uh tramley were forced to go and hike other trails while we waited for snow to melt because we were some of the earliest hikers through the Sierras and through the snow in Oregon so there were two trails that I started and never finished <laughs> and that bothers me <laughs> like just mentally I like I'm it's like nagging at me you know and so I decided I'm just gonna finish these real quick and that would be the Oregon Coast Trail and the um, Arizona Trail and then the Colorado Trail too which the CDT is concurrent with the Colorado Trail for half of that so I'm like I hate that it's half finished. I want to finish the rest of it. Um, and so that's why I was like, well, let's, you know, try to see if we can finish that trail as well and just <clears throat> push push the rest of the hiking into next year. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the outdoors is like, again, lessons from nature. Nature doesn't rush. Nature does things when it's on a natural time scale. I mean, I'm here in Colorado, Colorado watching the leaves turn and the leaves change colors you know, that happens in October, you know, not in August, because nature's not rushing to change the leaves. So um, a big lesson for me through hiking is the art of letting go. And I'm just sort of realizing that, like, I've done a lot of hiking this year. And I think I should just sort of let go of the rush of finishing it and trust the process and it's gonna get done you know, next year and it'll be a lot more fun if you're not rushing, but yeah. And just something I'll say real quick is, um, I am hiking the great Western loop as a fundraiser for the Trevor project, which for those who don't know is a national organization, um, that provides, uh, resources to queer and trans youth specifically um, they have a hotline they have a lot of educational resources they have support groups they do outreach they do um, policy briefs and things like that 
and I feel very strongly about the responsibility as a queer and trans adult to pay that forward to the next generation um, to provide more access for them to pursue their dreams in the ways that feel authentic to them. So yeah, fundraising for the Trevor Project, I recommend looking it up and, and checking Absolutely. it out. Yeah, uh, I'm going to put that into the show notes as well. A link for people to go and, and make a donation uh, to yeah. to the cause. So it's 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 an amazing thing that you're doing, and you really are. Um, as you said in the your your email to me, you can't be it if you can't see it, and yeah. you're really helping people see it. And one other way that you're helping people yeah. see it, obviously, you've got your 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 Instagram, which is a really cool channel, and how you're communicating your message, but you're you, in a really fun way is great. Um, but you're also using TikTok, yeah. And I'm always fascinated with people that are, like actually use TikTok and they actually yeah. do what the, what TikTok wants you to do. And you're having an absolute blast on TikTok. Yeah, and it's funny for people. Uh, I think most people who know me through something like this podcast would see my hiking content, and there's not a single bit of hiking content on my TikTok. And that's just because, you know, the algorithm will self-select what people want to see. And then if you if you get lucky, as I did on that platform, if you want to keep your platform, you know, to talk about these important issues, you kind of have to become the person that, you know, the people want you to, to be. And so I speak much more freely about queer and trans things, specifically on TikTok without all of the hiking content i think we should do both but uh yeah i think it's kind of like a funny like duality that i have where i have these two separate personalities on these different platforms yeah and they're not too farly you know they're, they're not too dissimilar from each other because your like, yeah. your personality is the same but like the i suppose the message that the content is is different exactly. it would be cool to see more hiking content mm-hmm. you know spreading your message uh about trans rights yeah. on tiktok yeah and um, but also like you obviously do that quite a lot on, <laughs> on instagram yeah um but uh look it, normally we kind of like wrap it up around now so if, if that's okay like it, like uh we unless you is there anything else that you want to cover or any other questions you'd like me to fire over no i think we covered a lot of ground in a really short amount of time and i i'm really grateful to you for you know, doing that work that we're talking about, which is like engaging in the dialogue in these outdoor spaces, because they're not just on trail. I mean, the way that we engage in and participate in the outdoor community, it is on platforms like social media and through podcasts and through YouTube and places like that, because we can't all be full-time hikers. Some of us don't hike at all because we have full-time jobs, you know? And so um, I think this is just as important as all of those other spaces well it's it's funny you say that because like obviously our my other hat is like the marketing for hiker as a as a company as a brand and and we're we're like always talking about like where are the channels what are the where are people talking about hiking where are they searching for hiking and where they're searching for for hiking products they're they're also talking about these issues they're talking about so uh, issues in society so it's really important for 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 brands whether it be us or anybody else and that i suppose that's another thing that we didn't really cover all that much but it is important for not just individuals like you but it's also really important for brands to step up and have that representation because again going back to what you're saying about if you can't see it you can't be it and you know if insert outdoor brand x is not representing the uh, 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 that segment of society then that segment of society gets forgotten and is is not respected and is not is not is not loved or, or is, do you know what i mean it's it's exactly. not getting the attention that it deserves mm-hmm. um so those conversations are more difficult and they're more far between yeah. but if we have more representation in those spaces it's great that we're having it here on a podcast but it has to be represented also in in marketing. It has to be yes. represented in in those uh, different fields. Um, yeah. But hopefully, we, we will with the resources, like you're saying. Exactly. Like you can't. I can't be. 
I can't do what I do without the financial resources to do it. And it does take a brand to support that and like actually care. And I think it's very revealing um, the values of a company, like how much they're willing to invest in the people that they, they say that they support, but it's not enough to put a pride flag on your website in June. You know, you really do have to walk the walk, you know, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not, it, it, it's also not just in your, your marketing. It's also in your, it's in your, your employment. It's, it's in the people that you actually help and form the decisions that you make, because it's all well and good. Like, uh, having representation in a, uh, an ad, but do you have that representation on your board? Do you have that representation in your employee account? You know, I can't like, I'm, put my hand up like we don't have representation in our employee account we don't yeah. um because well i'm not going to give a reason why like there's <laughs> hundreds of thousands of reasons why but yeah. but it be making a concerted effort to get to that point that's that's the the that's the the, the challenge and that's the goal is to is to to to, to aim for that and yeah. um, because if we don't have representation on in our employees or our board then we're just doing what we think is the right thing to do. It's not actually being informed by the people that matter. Yeah. One thing I'll say really quick um, about that is that, um, so <laughs> in in my um, undergraduate uh, thesis, it was, um, I studied, um, so, so my degree is in sociology and anthropology and a lot of that is like the study of culture and social structures. And so specifically, what I concentrated on was um, retention of women of color in academia, um, particularly in STEM fields. And what I found was a lot of frustration of these sort of like, you know, higher ed um, spaces saying like, well, it's not our fault that we don't have representation of women of color in these spaces because they don't apply for these jobs. Like we would hire them if they applied, but they're not applying. And so it's not our fault we don't have representation. And the thing is, these are systemic issues that take years to resolve. And we can't be impatient because it starts at the ground and you work on shifting the culture from the ground up. So it's like, you know, you clearly care, your brand clearly cares, and you're very transparent. You know, we don't reflect the diversity that we care about. We would love to, but it's sort of like, well, where are these people? You know, and you don't want to tokenize people either and say like, we just want you because you're trans or you're gay or whatever. And so it can feel very tricky. It can feel very confusing, very nuanced, but I actually think it's quite a simple problem. And this, and the, the issue is, it's not that the people don't exist. It's that the people don't feel welcome in the culture. And I think that that change starts with us where it's like, there probably just aren't that many queer trans, you know, people of color applying to jobs in the outdoor industry because kids of these identities are not encouraged to go into these spaces. Like, you know, like I have a lot of friends that did like outward bound and they're all like cis white men and a couple of women, you know? So it's like, what if children got to, you know, were encouraged to be in these spaces? What if we brought, you know, like, you know, I'm from like Los Angeles. And um, so it's like, what if my students in LA got to go backpacking? Most of them haven't even been to the beach and LA is right on the ocean, you know? So it's sort of like, you start from the ground up to shift this culture. You start to call people into these spaces and say, hey, either I'm just like you or I'm not just like you, but I accept you just the way you are. We want you here. You're welcome here. Then people start to invest in these spaces and then they want to stay in them. Because that's the thing is like with my, with my thesis, it's like there's a lot of women of color in STEM fields but the higher up they go, the fewer people they feel like they can talk to, the fewer people they feel like reflect their identity. And that's very isolating. And you, you can't expect people to stay in those spaces. It, it's awful. It, it hurts your, it hurts, you know? So it's like people will come when there's something they want that will keep them there, you know? And that just, that all starts with these conversations is just like building an inclusive community of people who love each other and want that people to stay and 
that's that's how culture shift happens you know yeah i think you nicely kind of like looped it back into what we were saying at the start which was it all starts with these conversations mm-hmm. and just having an open respectful discourse about these things and yes. and that's how and that's how you move forward and then that's how representation happens that's how you know um these things spread so that wasn't that was nicely wrapped up well Thank done you. Well, i'm so hopeful <laughs> because i do see it happening that's i do too really hopeful <laughs> absolutely well look cal it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Thank um you. i i want to stay on after this and talk to you all about your ultra running because as a fellow yeah. ultra runner i want to, to hear about your adventures yeah um but let, let's 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 do this again i'd love to have absolutely. you on again uh, I feel like we could probably talk for another two hours. So we'll spare uh, the audience, though. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look. Happy trails, and, and 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 as I said, I'm going to put everything in the show notes so people can follow along with your adventures. Perfect. Thank you so okay. it for another episode of the podcast i hope you enjoyed that as much as i enjoyed speaking to cal and recording it and even listening back and editing the podcast it was uh, it was quite inspiring as i said you can read the show notes to find all the links uh, to the trevor project or to any of cal's social media channels um yeah that's it for this week we'll be back next week with another another interview Until then, happy trails.